0: Hello and welcome to Mediation Matters. This series of podcasts explores how mediation can make the world a better place. Join me, Adam Gersh, founder and CEO of Global Mediation, the most active and fastest growing national provider of mediation services, as I discuss the latest developments, trends, updates, and important topical questions with real experts in the field. In this series, we'll be exploring how to disagree well. We will take a behind the scenes look at mediation and we will share essential mediation skills and their practical application in a variety of conflict situations. And now for our special guest, enjoy the podcast. So joining me today, I'm really delighted to introduce the absolutely amazing Michael Cody. Oh, Hi. Adam, Adam, it's wonderful to be with you. It's great to see you uh, and uh, thrilled to be here. Fantastic. And thank you so much for being on the podcast. Michael, tell us um, who you are and what you do.
1: Well, uh, who I am? Well, I'm uh, uh, married 32 years to my t- my high school sweetheart, uh, and uh, we have seven amazing kids. Uh, I have the, the pleasure of serving as the Chief Operating Officer for a multinational manufacturer of skincare and nutrition supplements uh, named Aquasource. We're based out of the UK. I actually live in the States, uh, in Texas, uh, but our team is uh, diverse all over the world. We're in, operating in nine countries, and so yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of the day gig. And then also on top of that, uh, I am a, a, an angel investor and, and invest and acquire businesses and, and have worked in the business and uh, growth development space for uh, executive development and growing and building teams in different companies and sectors for the last 32 years. Fantastic, and it was so exciting. We, we um, met
0: in Spain on a, a business retreat. and We uh, did. The fantastic executive coaches there, and it was just so wonderful to hear everything you've done. Um, this uh, podcast really focuses on conflict resolution, mm-hmm. and uh, in particular, I wanted to ask you about workplace uh, culture and uh, conflicts in the in, in the workspace. And I was reflecting that in your role as a COO, and in, with all the experience you've seen from other companies, um, you must have had uh, quite a few challenges and built up some strategies in terms of um, boosting staff engagement. And I wondered if you would uh, share uh, uh, some of those or some thoughts on, on strategies in, in how to um,
1: transform the dynamics of a, of a team. No, it's, it's, it's a great and very interesting subject. I mean, the, uh, the reality is every business works on paper and then you add people to the mix. Uh, and so, so people are both, uh, irrational, but predictable. Uh, so, so that, that there is that dynamic. And I, I made, uh, early in my career, I started my first business at 19 years old. Uh, and I made all the common mistakes one makes, uh, coming up. And, uh, one of the first mistakes I made was hiring all of my, uh, my mates. Uh, To come be part of my team uh, because we work, we got on so well together in school. Surely will be an amazing business team, right? Uh, (laughs) And and, uh, sadly, uh, had to had to let go of a bunch of my mates, uh, and so uh, I lost both workers and friends. So (laughs) so you you learn from that experience, you know. But but the truth is, you know, as you look at it, um, it learning how to use conflict as a, as a healthy tool because conflict doesn't have to be negative. Uh, the reality is that, that the, most of the models of conflict that we are exposed to, especially as children coming up are within our family dynamics or other things like that. And often those aren't necessarily the healthiest examples of how you have productive conflict. Uh, and, and so what happens is we model and we start to associate that anger is a, is a component of conflict. And, and it, it doesn't have to be, uh, you know, it's, it's possible to hold two different positions and no anger involved whatsoever, um, because a lot of times is, a lot of the, the psychology uh, courses and things that you learn uh, as you come up, um, anger is what they refer to as an umbrella emotion. And so they, it's, it's a wrapper on the outside of the box. And there's usually other things within the box which actually are, are driving the anger response. But the anger response is that classic fight, flight, freeze kind of dynamic where someone's in the middle of what's referred to as an amygdala hijack. Uh, and so their, their, uh, their brain cannot differentiate between physical threat and, and social emotional threat. Uh, it, it treats them both in the same way. And so the same biochemical cocktails get dumped into your brain as if you were being chased by a bear through the woods, uh, <laughs> as, as if you were in a social setting where there's a conflict, work or a family dynamic or anything else. Uh, and our, our physicality at a biological level still reacts as if we're being chased by a bear.
0: Yeah. And that it's, doesn't. It's so interesting because people are commonly afraid. I mean, the classic responses, as you say, if there's fight or flight, people um, go off sick, they get, uh, they avoid it. They don't have the difficult conversations that they need to have. And actually yeah. what you're describing is actually quite normal. It's a healthy part of functioning. And yeah. I think, Many businesses maybe uh, uh, need, need. We, we do courses on, you know, having courageous conversations and mm-hmm. uh, global training. I think it's so important to uh, realize that this is all quite normal mm-hmm. and you can either just put your head in the sand or you can actually uh, address it head on.
1: Yeah, it's, it's very true, Adam. I think one of the dynamics that we discover because where a lot of conflict shows up in business generally comes around expectation management, performance management issues, things like this, where, you know, there's an objective, there's a goal or something we've set up and established. And then for whatever reason, certain people or teams aren't performing to the level of expectation, or there's a difference between what you said, what they heard and what they did, uh, that, that somewhere between idea and execution, uh, you get a radically different uh, outcome. You know, there was a uh, there was a major event on the weekend in my industry. Uh, and and what was very interesting, it was a it was a room full of absolute top level leaders within our industry space. These are people who are immensely successful at working with people and communicating. Uh, and they started at the very front end of the room, maybe a thousand people in the room uh, at the very first person on the front row on the farthest corner. And they they the the speaker went to them and said the word banana. That's all they said to them. <laughs> and then they played the classic whispers game and had to go through the entire room to the last person where the message ended up as may you go with light and love. So some- <laughs> so somehow in a room of people whose whole career is communication. Okay. <laughs> we got from banana on the front corner to the back corner of the same room. Uh, and the message has changed. Lovely message, but completely in our inaccurate to what the intended outcome was at the very beginning of it. Uh, right. And so if that's possible with people who have made their entire career out of communication, what's the dynamic for the rest of us in a regular world situation as we're interacting with these things? So so a right. lot of that a lot of that conflict uh, management side of things. For me, it's really it's directly tied to the ability to communicate and connect, and and make sure that there's fidelity in that communication, fidelity of expectation, fidelity of measurement. Uh, like those things are absolutely without question, uh, clear. You know, there's a there's a very those, those things. No, sorry, I was going to say those things are subjective
0: those are sorry those are, are objective things yeah and i wondered about um some of the more subjective things because you started by saying that uh, your first business you employed yeah. a lot of friends yeah, yeah. i was expecting that that actually in terms of what how we've grown as a business you know we look at skills and talent but we mm-hmm. also look at you know where people fit on their sort of personality profile and how yeah. they see how they see the world and whether they're aligned with the culture and values of the organization. Absolutely. And what's, what's interesting to me is that area where, um, depending on people's energy and their personal profile and their own lived experience, um, they have different goggles and they will see the world very differently. absolutely. One person describes it like this. and so, so that's something which you're talking about objective measurement, but what about the, yeah. how, how much do you think the, um, sort of individual perspective and the different type of personalities play into ha- how oh, you ha- I, I how think you...
1: it's it, it's valuable beyond uh beyond a, a, a real um measurement in the sense that what I mean by this is um mono are fair are rarely high performing cultures Okay, Uh, in in my experience. Uh, So if we have groupthink, if we're suffering from groupthink, if everyone's coming from the same worldview, same perspective, that's not saying we don't have the same values and vision. You know, so so if the values and visions are aligned, you can bring in people from lots of different experience bases. You know, we as humans don't walk around with a manual that says, hey, this is how I see the world. And just so you know, I'm going to give you a copy so we can be really productive together. Uh, That's that stuff we pick up in all of the nonverbals. It's, it's stuff we pick up through experience around one another. Um, but it's rarely uh, very clearly articulated. And I think that's where what's traditionally been classified as soft skills, you know, these you know, these understanding how to work with teams and people and things like that, have started to take on a new life in this generation, I think, as le- the the whole culture of leadership development has evolved uh, over the last 25, 30 years or maybe even longer, 50 years. Um, and and you said something the other day we were talking, uh, and and I absolutely love this statement. I've stolen it from you uh, and used it <laughs> vigorously over the last week. Just so you know, uh, but but this this you referred to them as higher order skills, and I absolutely love that phrase because learning how to communicate and bring out the best in others is really the heartbeat of why I do what I do. I love being in the role I'm in because I love seeing people prosper in their various functions and roles. And I love seeing the dynamic contributions that unique people bring to the table. So, so I love diversity in the group of people. Okay. I love that diversity factor. Um, but the part that I uh, really want to make sure we have alignment on is the core values that you mentioned earlier. If I, if I, if I know we're on the same page on the core value side, uh, if I know we're on the same place on the mission, the outcomes that we're looking to achieve, then you know then it gives us the freedom to explore together to find the best options and th- that exploration process isn't uh you know super zen and everyone just sitting at the top of a mountain kind of floating above the clouds and the idea just emerges it's usually quite messy actually and it's a lot of interaction engagement and passionate advocacy for different viewpoints and and we need that we we need that because i love seeing a group of really brilliant people who are passionately engaged on a subject Tearing into how do we approach a challenge? Uh, and and I, I, I don't mind the emotion because the emotion that comes with that is usually a byproduct of investment. You know, people care and because they care, they're pouring themselves into it. The key to getting the value out of that is making sure that we, we understand how to separate self from idea. Uh, and so like within my organization, uh, we talk about a concept called donate and divorce, which is when we're in one of these kind of brainstorming scenarios or we're in this one of these problem solving scenarios and you're giving ideas to the group, you give it to the group and you have to cut the emotional umbilical cord uh, to the idea. Okay. So, so now the idea has to stand on its own merits. Okay, and that doesn't mean you don't advocate for your position, but you've got to be able to separate, create some critical distance between yourself and the advocacy role, because when people are uh, looking at the idea and dissecting the idea, they're not dissecting you. Okay, it's and so what happens is sometimes people get too emotionally entwined with their own position and idea. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And so that critical distance we talk about, uh, that is such a valuable tool to have. In being able to have healthy conflict, but disengage from having it turn into those amygdala hijacks that I talked about at the beginning, uh, you know, where someone feels like they're going into fight, flight or freeze mode uh, because they're feeling the attack is on them. And that's not what's happening at all. Uh, and so- how, does
0: that, how does that look like in a if you were a business or you're developing a business, you know, how do you actually implement some of these strategies and so what do you do on a day-to-day basis is it a meeting is it a survey
1: is it a um a, a general you know part yeah. of the how does that what does that look like no it's it's a great question um because i know we hear talking heads all the time on and they, and they give lots of great theoretical ideas but how does that look like in real life right yeah. what, do, uh, what do i do tomorrow? <laughs> yeah absolutely so so for me it begins with um the the very beginning of the relationship with with that person on the team uh, is having a clear social contract de- developed within your organization. So, a clear social contract that lays out the rules about how do I want to be treated as an individual, how do we want to be treated as a group, how do we treat the people outside the organization. Uh, you know, so just having sort of those clear rules of engagement, because uh, in the absence of concrete rules, people make up their own, uh, and it, they're going to worse. Actually, that I've I've discovered in
0: organizations, what please. Happens, they learn. They learn the bad stuff from the last person who did it. So oh, you yeah. like talk about your whispers that yeah. actually happen in organizations because what yeah. happens, you know, you think, where did you learn that? They go, well, yeah. somebody who recruited three months before me told yeah. me that that's what they do. So you, 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 you can magnify the, the yeah. mistake.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and any behavior unwanted within an organization or even in any dynamic, when brought into the light and fully understood loses its power. Okay. So if you have these sort of invisible behavior patterns that are happening within your organization, you're going, that is not the behavioral pattern I want to see. You really got to do the root cause analysis on it. Where are we either teaching it or tolerating it? You know, So, we're either teaching it implicitly, you know, uh, or we're teaching it tacitly within the organization just because it's allowed to exist. And people go, oh, okay, so that's the way we do things here. People are very quick on that. We're social animals. And so we pick up signals faster than anybody can even realize when we just see the way. The, the, the nuance of the behavior. So as leaders, we model the behavior we're looking for, which means we can't be precious about our, all of our own ideas. You know, uh, I recently wrote an article about, you know, being aware of hippos uh, within your organization. That stands for highest paid person's opinion, okay? <laughs> and, and if the hippo is always winning, okay, then you are seriously undermining the potential of your organization because yeah. you're not bringing out the best and the best ideas in your group. No one will share their best ideas because they know the hippo is always going to win. The highest yeah. paid person's opinion is always going to win. So that's a clear sign that drives disengagement. Um, so so it starts with a social contract. Um, that social contract can't just be a, a, a document that's crafted by an executive in an office somewhere and sent out as a memo. Uh, that's not how it works. OK, for it That'd to be. be involved, a, right. Yeah, it, it's an involvement of saying, OK, these principles that I've talked about, this idea that conflict is a necessary part of creation. It's a necessary part of, of building together a better whatever, whatever it is we're focused on. Uh, and so in that, um, you know, it's it's accepting, A, the role of conflict as a useful tool. B, having clear, you know, clear social contracts about how we engage conflict. This is how we do conflict here. OK, uh, and, and we're encouraging it, but we're encouraging it in the right way. You know, I say one of of my roles as a chief operating officer is to curate talent. Okay, I am always my head's on a swivel, always looking for brilliant people that I can bring in and add to my organization. And then once I get them into my organization, my job is to remove roadblocks from them achieving their goals and what what they need to what they need to achieve here. Uh, But it's also to stir the pot because now I've got really bright minds in the room. uh, (laughs) and, And 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 so my job is not to be the smartest guy in the room. My job is put together the room of the smartest, most brilliant, most invested people I can get. And then I stir the pot intentionally because I want the best things to surface. I want to get the dross off the top and I really want to get down to the gold. Uh, And so for me, that is, you know, sometimes playing the devil advocate, sometimes challenging the idea, even if I like the idea, sometimes challenging the idea just to make sure. When you
0: do that, Michael, do you tell people this is what I'm doing?
1: Oh, absolutely! I'm completely transparent that I'm going to do this. Yeah, yeah. It's,
0: it's a brave thing to do. I mean, our you know our business has started with me and an assistant, yeah. And uh, we we've grown into uh, very rapidly into a successful business. There's now about a hundred people involved, and but you've you've Amazing. managed teams and and um, uh, dealt with. You know, thousands of people, haven't you, in yeah. terms of uh, what's the biggest number of people you've had to kind of uh, uh, manage or advise or coach in relation to? Well,
1: so in our organization right now, um, the staff here, we're, we're right around your size as far as internal staff, uh, but then we have 25,000 independent reps in nine countries. So right. so we're interacting and, and they're, they're even there's a even different challenge there because it's a little bit what they call cat herding, you know, because these are independent people. They're, they're licensed to, to, to yeah. use our, our, our products. But, but, um, they're, they're trying to do the best they can, uh, as an individual and they're not aware of, uh, you know, government regulations, uh, you know, the other, uh, you know, mandates and prohibitions and things like that, that they have to comply with and the GDPR isn't a word in their day-to-day language, you know, so, so they don't have to deal with a lot of the, the nonsense we deal with at a corporate level. That's just part of life and doing business. Uh, but we still have to get them to comply with those things because we're held accountable if they don't. Uh, so, sure. so-
0: they're, they're <laughs> your, In a way that, I mean, they're your shop face, aren't you? They're, 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 they're 100%. The, they're the front and, and they're representing so in, in terms of culture and, um, you know, the, values and so on so we learned you know when we had just a few people around the room you know we all shared a, a, a common culture we didn't do any of this uh, yeah. you know um, um profiling or psychometric yeah. tests or whatever. we just we just did, you know as you say we employed we were very fortunate with the people that we had we had great yeah. people and uh, many of them have uh, have come along with us and as we grew, we had to make a real concerted effort to say, you know, what are our values? Let's mm-hmm. get everyone involved in those. Let's, let's make sure that we live them and we reward, we reward on them and people live by them. And it's quite interesting. We've just done something now in the staff engagement because we've got to a certain size and expanded rapidly. And there is a need, as you say, not to have the hippo voice dominate. And we've introduced something um, only recently, actually, by way of uh, an anonymous staff engagement uh, mm-hmm. survey. Kind of take a litmus test of how everyone yeah. feels. And we think, you know, it's a fantastic, we want this to be the most fantastic place to work. You know, we want it yeah. to be the best place to work in the world. And that's the, that's the vision. And that's what a lot of people will smile and say, yeah. And I'm absolutely petrified, Michael, as to what people will say. Should I be worried?
1: Well, no, <laughs> because, because only if you're afraid of truth. Okay. If you, if you, if you're afraid of truth and you're not willing to deal with truth, then don't do it okay don't okay. do it okay we, 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 we because want to learn. we want to learn yeah. Isn't it? yeah yeah so so to me it's it's um it, there there's a there's a uh wisdom scripture that says uh better the wounds of a friend than the kisses of an enemy okay yeah. uh and, and so so to me that 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 to me embodies this idea of i'd rather have a hard truth than a convenient lie okay uh because i can deal with truth truth is like the solid ground under my feet. It's gravity. It's real. I can, I can deal with it. If I'm selling myself a fantasy, then every decision I make moving forward from the point that I've committed to fantasy, okay, is an unstable decision. It is not based in reality. And so at some point you're going to get hit with reality because not everyone's going to support your delusion. Okay, the market's not going to support your delusion. Your competitors won't support your delusion. Okay, (laughs) so so one of the things that I think uh, people crave
0: is authenticity. Hundred percent. We we are really, I think we're very, very focused on that. It's what we're what we're promoting to other people that you have to be authentic in what you do. Um, I'm I'm trying to do more, um, you know, LinkedIn stuff that I write that's from Mm -hmm. the heart. Yeah. Um, I think we're in a world where there's so much that's AI generated and straight out the manual and stock things. Yeah. And I think that, that that humanity and authenticity
1: is so important now to yeah. to in in companies. I think I think it's the new X factor. It the the people who get how to connect and relate authentically in organizational leadership, in one-on-one personal dynamics and management and coaching dynamics. Like if, if you understand how to be real and connect in a real and meaningful way, well, that means you have to be tuned in in your own core to what your values are and where you're coming from. Uh, and and that's, that's why I believe your terminology, higher order skills. I mean, frankly, I think that's a great title for a book, by the way, you should write that book, but, uh, Let's do it. <laughs> so, but, but it's, 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 it's such a fantastic idea of, There are these skills and there's not it's not demeaning the value of technical skill. Obviously, we need that. I need I need a lawyer who's a good lawyer. I need a brain surgeon who's a brilliant brain surgeon. But the higher score order skill that I believe that the brain surgeon who also has the human skills strength, the authenticity, the connection will be infinitely more effective in their role than the one who doesn't. Uh, I, it's I think really that... interesting. it's really interesting that you
0: say that and that, that that's a that's a, a key focus. And I think it is so important. I, I spent, as you know, I spent 30 years as a barrister. I'm still a qualified uh, barrister and do you know, one or two cases a year. But I've largely I've not put away my wig, but I've. I've hung <laughs> wig, really. And um, one of the things that I always train, um, you know, young uh, pupil barristers trainee barristers when they when they uh, I'm supervising them is you know they say what's the most important thing when you go into court and they say oh, well preparedness to have your arguments have all your things in the-. so yeah yeah before you get there before you get mm-hmm. there what's what's the most important thing and um, not many people get it but the people with the higher order skills do get it and the answer actually is to have looked up the judge yeah. and know what makes them tick yeah. You know, before you get, because you could make whatever argument you want, but this might be a judge who likes dates mm-hmm. or it might be a judge who only likes brevity mm-hmm. or it might be a judge who needs it all spelled out for them. And it's fascinating that yeah. actually yeah. people come from years of legal training and they don't necessarily have the higher order skills to know who they're dealing with. Yeah. And what they are talking about in terms of business is, okay, you can have the conversation for having the right way with the right people on the right terms 100%. And the, contract, the contract has to be there, and actually, so much conflict comes out of the fact that people get that wrong. You know, they go with the, with the wrong message. The, you know, it's 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 tone deaf, and yep. they think they're doing a great job because on paper it looks fantastic.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's something my mother used to say to me. She she used to say to me, "You could be a hundred percent right about what you're saying and a hundred percent wrong in how you delivered it."
0: And she was a hundred percent right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, so I've always gotten a, a lot of fascination out of that concept of to to be factually accurate, but absolutely inappropriate in the delivery, the 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 way that you went about it, communicated. So, and I think that's if you tie it back to these the conflict within culture dynamic that you've been you know focused on here. Um, if conflict is is presented or delivered, or the culture tolerates toxic toxicity in the approach to conflict, then the, the deleterious effect on the entire organization is unimaginable. I mean, like, because once trust goes, engagement goes, performance goes, everything else follows. You know, we have a saying that, that the heart leaves the business before the money does. Okay. Uh, yeah, and and, sure. and so, so, you know, because as a barrister, there's a lot of things you could have done with your career. I mean, you, you, there's so many different facets of the law you could have focused on. Uh and you've gone to this area, which is particularly interesting to me because it's such a high emotional intelligence contact sport. Uh like like you have <laughs> to it's a full contact sport. I mean it's rugby if there ever was rugby, okay, in, in that context, because two parties at odds need to find and mediate to to resolution. That's that's requires a high. That's not like contract law where you're just sitting around just kind of reviewing docs, okay, or or, or just arguing, you know, intellectual property cases, okay.
0: Well, I did, I did criminal
1: law, so people did go to yeah, prison yeah. for quite a long time. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's <laughs> that's 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 also highly emotional for sure. Yeah. Uh, but but you, if my my point being though that to choose to go into that space means embracing the very human aspects of how people in the law interact with one another and how do we address and deal with conflict. And, and that takes a certain kind of heart and a passion for humanity. Um, and, and I think it would be very difficult to take that kind of role and also not be authentic and seriously values minded and grounded. And I, I think it would be hard to be very long-term successful in that function, just as my observation of you uh, and, and your organization is that that requires a huge amount of a emotional intelligence, but a heart for people at its core. Uh, and yes, I think very,
0: very kind. It means, it means, means, it means a lot, Michael coming from you, but I, yeah. I, I think that we, we, we're helping businesses uh, resolve conflict and we're helping train people in those higher order skills. And I think we feel so, uh conscious that we've got to do it really really well within mm-hmm. our organization because if we're not doing it we can't be going out to the world yeah so we're so, we're so on this yeah. which is why I think i'm so anxious to, to get it right but you know i don't want to be the hippo
1: yeah so, well and and that is but you you talked about that there is a um a willingness to be vulnerable uh yeah. as a leader uh, that isn't a surrender of your authority or or your function to lead and and to determine direction and things like that, but it is a collaborative uh, work that says this isn't about me. It's a, it's bigger than me. I'm I'm a part of the equation. Uh, I'm a steward of this, the leadership of this organization in this season. But businesses change hands, leadership changes, people retire. You know, like organization of the roles and the people in an organization over the long haul will evolve and change. And if we focus on a culture that embraces all the necessary components of creation to build something of value, uh, then then conflict will have a a, a seat at the table. But it needs to be that healthy conflict. It needs to start with, you know, the willingness to hear the truth. Uh, And maybe not. It's the difference between, you know, absolute, objective, universal truth and the truth of other people's experiences uh and each of those things being you know weighted in their in their contribution to the overall um so hopefully that made sense
0: a hundred percent and i think that it's it's interesting we we approach things from a position of learning and mm-hmm. curiosity yeah and i think there is an honesty in telling people you know we may not get this right all the time we're interested to learn we want to understand and we're curious about other people's uh other people's voices yeah and um, i think what's what's interesting to me is over the years i think that people lawyers start off with the view never apologize never admit any weakness never say anything but what i've really learned in business is when you're compassionate and authentic and you say look help me understand this because we may not have Mm -hmm. got it right you know let's 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 try Let's try and work this out in a way that works for everybody. People don't see that as vulnerability or weakness. Yep. People see that as strength. Actually, they see yeah. humility as strength. But, but the classic teaching in law is, you know, don't be don't be humble. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't let
1: them have anything because they want more. Yeah, that's you know? yes, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I in, inch and a really mile, do. right? Uh, <laughs> but I think yeah, you know, it's it, it's so it's so interesting because. I picked up a phrase years ago and I really don't know who I got it from. I wish I could, cause I'd love to give them the credit for it. But, uh, I heard someone say this and they said, I reserve the right to be wrong. And that just kind of hit me like a lightning bolt, uh, a- as a young, younger man, given, you know, we were talking about personality types earlier. If you haven't been able to tell, I'm fairly assertive and, and, uh, and, and driven and a goal objective oriented. And, and I have all those qualities. Um, yeah. And, <laughs> uh, at, but I, I, what I didn't have was the understanding that there's sometimes value in being able to retreat off of a position. Uh, like for me, it was like you take the ground and you hold it to your last dying cell. Uh, you know, like once, you, once you've staked your position, there is no retreat, no surrender. Uh, and and that, that's a fairly immature worldview, uh, admittedly. Uh, as I grew in leadership, I realized, you know, I reserve the right to be wrong was one of my greatest tools In being able to help lead great people, you know, because when you look at trying to I'm in a role in my life where I'm trying to emphasize my attention on leading leaders, Uh, you know, leading people who are having a multiplicative effect across many people and organizations and structures. And and so in that function and kind of studying what leadership looks like at that level, it's realizing that I talked about stirring the pot earlier. You know, I'll take a position, but I'm not going to be the first one to give the position in my team because. I want to draw out the best. And if, if, if I come in with the hippo and the hippo usually walks in the room and says, all right, guys, let me tell you how it's going to be. And they just lay it on the table. And now it's now it's really not a discussion about the idea. It's a discussion of how are you going to do what I've decided? Uh, uh, and and that's not the kind of high value order we're trying to achieve out of the, bringing out the best in our people. Uh, it also doesn't drive engagement because. One of the big things they talk about in HR studies now is all the thing they're looking at is is how do you access what they call discretionary effort? How do you access the best ideas? You know, and you can't know if they've given you their best idea, okay? Because it sits between their right ear and their left ear, okay? And, and until it comes out of their mouth, you don't know it until you hear it. And, and so, discretionary
0: effort is the the effort that people go to beyond what they basically have to do for their role. So absolutely. They, they, you have their standard role, and then discretionary effort is the the added value. Absolutely. The, what, what what people are putting in. I suppose if people are not rewarded and encouraged and empowered, then they're not going to give any discretionary effort. It doesn't At exist. All. They just come yeah. in and do their job. We've seen businesses like that yeah. where they just they, people come in and do their job. Yep. I think it's a, a, a absolutely um, fascinating. that pe- people really have to be part of the journey, don't they? They have to buy yeah. into the... vision and the goal and they have to feel empowered and what's interesting to me and i think you recognize this and articulate this so beautifully that the senior people in an organization are sometimes not the best judge of how to deliver the message and when to deliver the message and what medium to use Uh, you know you've got to you've got to empower other people to 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 bring that up yeah Um, you told um i i just want to um, I can't finish without you telling the story. There was a fascinating story you had that we shared, you shared with me about uh, staff suggestions. So, um, about uh, you know what I mean about uh, people uh, were rewarded a certain amount of money for giving suggestions.
1: Yeah, uh, at,
0: a, at a company. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure which story specifically because there, there's a lot of them, but uh, I think it was um, at a manufacturing company where people were given uh, twenty five dollars or something to to give a staff suggestion and they didn't really think that people would be paying this. So they started with all sort of nonsense suggestions. Yes. It, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So so they, they began this this process of of. You know, hey, we need to, because there's this uh, interesting diagram chart. You can look it up on the internet and it shows uh, how much at the different tiers of the organization do they really understand the frontline challenges going on with the business. And, and it showed that at the very top tier of an organization, uh, it's like they understand less than 4% of what's actually happening, you know, and so they're, because they're just so siloed, you know, and, and especially as an organization starts to move to multi country or, or very large nationwide operations. You just literally can't be in all these places. You can't stay, you know, without mechanisms in place to get that feedback. And so, so they, they instituted this feedback uh, mechanism. And 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 again, all the first suggestions that came through were nonsense. They were just completely, you know, people were just being joking and 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 making, you know, silly recommendations, things like that.
0: Because they, t- they were told they were going to get like twenty-five bucks for
1: yeah, the suggestion. yeah. And so, so they started paying out the suggestion fees, and people were shocked that it was actually they actually did it you know, even though they were nonsense, okay? Uh, and then coming back and, uh, and as they continue to do that over the span of a month or so, people actually started to give them high value suggestions. Real stuff started to come through when people saw, oh, they're serious about this. And, and, and this ties back to something I said just a minute ago, uh, Adam, where you were saying, hey, should I be scared, okay, about opening the, the gate to the input? Uh, and, and here's the thing, had they not paid the suggestion fee, it would have built inside the organization cynicism. Yeah. Okay. And that's the most deadly poison you can get within a culture. Okay. The moment people don't believe you and your intentions, we are now in real trouble as an organization. Okay. And so when you open up the doorway, that's why I tell people who are about to go into kind of the opening, the, Hey, we're going to put in place. A, sometimes they call them pulse surveys. So we're going to take a weekly pulse survey or something like that at the organization. Uh, I say, awesome. But only do it if you, A, are really willing to hear what they have to say, B, you're going to follow through, and and, and C, you're going to do it consistently. Yes. Okay. Because to start those kind of initiatives and ask people to be vulnerable, to ask people to take a risk and share, ask people to engage, and then they see, A, you don't respect it, you're not following through on it, you're not listening, uh, and, and then it happens on some spotty, irregular basis. They just don't learn to trust it. Uh, and so, so that's, that's, that's a good, good, good
0: advice for all organizations. So do it when you're ready to do it, but only do it if you
1: mean it. Yeah. And, and, something and you're about it. absolutely willing to walk the path because if you don't, if you reverse back because the first round of feedback you get, you know, was a lot of pent up frustration, for example, because if there's been no feedback mechanisms and then you open the door, very likely some of the people who've been sitting on something and have been boiling for a while inside of it, it might come out very emotionally. It uh, may not be the most respectful or eloquently stated, uh, but there's value in it. Uh, if you understand that there, there was a a pocket of something festering there that was being unaddressed and and you gave them a vow to release that, but that if you shove the cork back in, it'll double down <laughs> on the frustration. Okay. Absolutely. And Absolutely. So, so it's, it's, it, it, it is one of those things where it's like, It can be an amazing blessing to your organization from an uplift effect cultural engagement all those factors but only done in the right way it's the right action but it needs to be done in the right way just like we were talking earlier about the right communication but being delivered in the wrong way uh you know and in the sorry go ahead i
0: was going to say one of the things i've i've learned is actually you have to bring people with you and you have to involve them in the process and they the way that that people want things done may not be the way that we Perceive it's not necessarily the most efficient, not not the quickest, not yeah. necessarily the most conventional. But there's a need yeah. to uh, involve everybody.
1: Yeah, and and the, the the payoff is like the example of that company, where by the second month, some of the suggestions they got were saving them millions. I mean, millions in, in turnover impact because they were willing to pay the twenty-five quid for the du- the stupid ideas in the first couple of weeks okay and so they got through the yeah yeah you're not serious so we're not serious to oh wow they are serious and they're putting their money where their mouth is to oh, okay they actually want to hear me and so i'm going to take that discretionary effort that great idea that 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 impact that i could have that i've been holding back on cuz i didn't feel engaged or safe to do it uh, and then you know they release that to you and, and it becomes something that can be a complete game changer so if- fantastic
0: And I think sometimes no, I was going to say sometimes the uh, the the the, there is a blessing um, in, as you say, the conflict. You know, the conflict is seen as a very negative thing, but it comes to teach us something Mm -hmm. and uh, something we've got to then embrace. And I suppose there's people who just want to avoid it Mm -hmm. and people who want to really organizations that that, that believe in what they're doing and have the confidence to say, okay, you know, we we don't have all the answers. Mm Uh, and as you say, the wonderful, uh, wonderful saying that I reserve the right to be to well, be wrong. That's absolutely fantastic.
1: Yeah. Um, one, my, go on. Well, one other thing I, I, would, I would add on there is and I would say this is the role for senior leaders. Your job is to make sure you're opening the doors for healthy conflict and you're making space for all voices to be heard. And so if you've got the, the you'll always have the more aggressive voices in meetings, you'll have the ones who speak up always, even when they're not asked, they're giving you their opinion all the time. And that's wonderful. I'm not in any way degrading that. But there is a lot of deep thinking, less extroverted, uh, you know, uh, people on your team who are who are generally they're deferring in their nature. Uh, but they're they are gold mines of insight. They are deep observers of, of, of people and behavior. And and so as a leader, you want to say, hey, Fantastic. Simon, love, love that. That's great. We've captured that input. Sarah, I really want to hear from you because I know you've been sitting there. I can see that you're probably processing a lot. Help me hear your thoughts on this. Make the space for them. And as you start to learn to do that, you're actually also training your team to make space for each other. Uh, and that's a critical aspect of it as well. So I just I didn't want to lose that because I think it's a part of closing the loop fantastic. on that no,
0: idea. Really, really, really important practical feedback. Um, Michael has been fantastic at chatting to you. I feel like we could, we could talk for, forever. I wished you every, uh, success with continuing yeah, to really develop aquasource, which is, uh, going from strength to strength and look forward to your, your, your base. You better tell us where you're based because it's getting dark here and your day's only just, uh, yeah. Starting.
1: So I'm in central Texas. Uh, I'm about a few hours South of Dallas and kind of positioned centrally between Austin and Houston, Texas. So, well, yeah. I can
0: tell you it was a fabulous day today. I hope your day goes as well as mine has been. And, uh, Wish you every uh, success in uh, continuing to do everything you're doing and um, spreading some of this excellent wisdom, not only in Acrosource but also to, to, to many other companies as well, Michael. Thank you so much, and look forward to seeing you soon.
1: All right, bye for now. Good seeing you.
0: I hope you enjoyed this episode of Mediation Matters. Please remember to subscribe for future episodes.